Hey everyone, welcome to the It's Personal Podcast. We are in our final week, week eight, engaging with discipleship. All right, hey everybody, it's Matt and Justin, and yes, I am the one that preached this week, so it's cheating a little bit that I get to be here Mm -hmm. on the podcast talking about, once again, our topic of discipleship. But there is a little bit of advantage because we get to, and I'll use some wording Justin's brought to me, double-click on a couple Mm -hmm. of things we talked about Sunday. And uh, really, I'm fully leaning on Justin to to guide this one. Does it feel good, Justin? Yeah, that feels great. All right, great. All the pressure in the world right now. We're not going to edit this. It's just going to be... Be straight, straight, whatever you say today. Let's do it. Okay, Let's awesome. Go. So, the phrase that we wanted to jump into is when we talked Sunday, we said the phrase that discipleship is disruptive. Mm-hmm. Discipleship is something that is going to disrupt. It's going to change. It's going to, in some ways, wreck your life. Yeah. That might be a little strong. Yeah. Okay, so Justin, when I say disruption, when we talk about that, how does that feel to you? You know, I think when I hear the word disruption, uh, that probably gives me a little anxiety, if I'm honest, because I'm a person of schedule. I'm a person of rhythm. I like to know uh, that A is going to happen, then B is going to follow, and then C is after that. And when you say the word disruption, that makes me think uh, that that might not happen. And so I think that can oftentimes build some anxiety there because I don't know where we're going, what we're doing, or... um, I don't know what my role is in that disruption and that I may need to change, that I may need to adjust something, and I'm not sure what that might be. Right. And so, like, that's something I think, what you just said, that's all of us to some extent. Like, I do believe God created people differently, but I think everybody to some extent, when it comes to control, when it comes to rhythm, when it comes to normalcy, when it comes to us understanding why, disruption is always an abrasive word. Mm -hmm. And here's what's really interesting as you were talking and I was processing this. The other word that comes to mind, and I'm just I'm just being more abrasive. Apparently, that's my theme this week, is pride. Mm. Because if we're talking about disruption, change, rearranging, we have to have an understanding within ourselves that our life is not good. Mm. Because as we were talking about disruption and as we were processing this, one of the things we pointed out is that Disruption feels bad if you believe everything is going well. Mm. Disruption is a positive when everything's going terrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you're struggling with something, if you're at a horrible place in your life, if things are difficult and that difficulty gets disrupted, it's actually rescue. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. And so when we start to talk about disruption and understanding discipleship is disrupting to our lives, I think one of the things we have to acknowledge is that that's because we're not done yet. Like, we're not there yet. Like, we need to continually be at a state where we're listening to God and allowing Him to shape our lives. And I think that's right on the start. Like, that's one of the places I see over and over again. And and understand, this isn't just to see, like, I'm, I see it in other people's life. This is in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, when I fall out of the discipleship cycle and enter a season of struggle. Because for me, those always go hand in hand. The combination to a spiritual low spot is no longer spending time with God, no Mm -hmm. longer engaged in discipleship relationships Mm -hmm. with other people, Mm -hmm. and mentally disconnected while I'm at church. Because I work here, I have to be here for you. It might be you don't attend church. But when those three boxes are not being checked, I am headed toward a spiritual low point, a place of 
struggle. Yeah. And when I'm in those places, I need to be disrupted. Yep. Absolutely. And so one thing that I see over and over again is we always push back against disruption. Mm. That always creates friction and abrasiveness. And that's one of those, I've been in situations, I've been in discipleship situations where you begin to take that deep dive and people immediately bail. Mm. Like when you realize, when somebody walks into the room and they realize, oh wait, I'm going to have to actually talk about my spiritual life. <laughs> right. You, they run away. Right. They, they legitimately run away. Yeah, you mentioned the word pride and a, and a word that kind of came to my mind while you were talking about all this is also control. Um, mm. disruption is like the, maybe, maybe the enemy of control. Like I try to be in control of my life and then something disrupts it. And so I think as we talk about discipleship, that point that you were just making, oh my gosh, I have to be the one that talks about my spiritual life. That's because the spotlight is on you. You're no longer in control of the conversation. You can no longer hide behind, um, mm. the weather or sports or whatever you've now, you know, for all intents and purposes, kind of lost control of the conversation to say, how are you doing, Matt? What's God doing in your life? Where are you failing? What are you struggling with? What are your, like, you have to take that, that deep dive, especially if you're in a group of other people that have just shared what's going on in their life. Now you've kind of lost that control to be able to hide behind those things. <laughs> Absolutely. And there's a little bit of pressure, a little bit of healthy pressure uh, to do that. And I think we'll get into this too. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but losing the control as far as, how do you get involved in a group? How does that fit into your week? How does that fit into your life and your schedule like I was talking about? I like to have control of those things. And discipleship, you know, you might have to relinquish some of that control and you might have to be disrupted in your schedule and how things go so you can grow deeper in your walk with the Lord and so you can grow deeper in your relationships with other believers. Yeah, absolutely. And and as, w- once again, we're 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 using the phrase as you were talking this game because uh, <laughs> we're completely off script at this point. Yeah. Not that we have a script on it yeah, anyway. Exactly. But part of me sitting here going like, we fight against disruption in a world that's disruptive. Mm. And so there needs to be some acknowledgement. Like just because we're saying disruption doesn't mean you have the option to not be disrupted. Mm. The deal is, is is if you're going to be active in what change is coming and you're going to pursue it and you're going to push past it, then what that gives you as a person the ability to do is be prepared spiritually to handle mm. the disruption and brokenness in the mm-hmm. world. Because here's what's going to happen. Your life is going to be disrupted. Yeah. It's going to catch up to you. Hashtag point. 2020. Okay, right? <laughs> because your life is going to be disrupted. And if you are not haven't already proactively put some positive disruptions in there, mm. and specifically discipleship and engaging with the church and spending time with God, if you haven't put those disruptions in there that are your core, yeah. that is your relationship with God, then when the world's brokenness and disruptions come your way, you're scrambling, you're mm-hmm. panicking, mm-hmm. you're bunkering up, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're losing it, you're freaking out over an election, you're mm-hmm. all these things that are happening to where we lose sight that God's the ones in control mm-hmm. because we become anxiety victims Mm -hmm. to the disruptions of the world. Yeah. And I think I love this idea of disruption as a positive because um, you take this COVID season that we're still in, you know, there's a lot of talk about getting back to normal. Well, we don't necessarily want to go back to quote unquote normal the way things were before the season because we've been disrupted. There's maybe some things that we've come to realize that we need to take out of our schedule to take out of our lives. And so disruption 
can be a very positive thing. I love the phrase, if you do what you've always done, you get what you've always got. And so if you are not satisfied with what you've got, whether that's in your personal life, spiritual life, whatever that may be, we have to evaluate what changes, what disruptions are we allowing to happen in our lives? Positive disruptions, what changes spiritually, what changes in our family relationships are we allowing to happen, if any, so we can change those outcomes. If we're not disrupted, we're going to stay on the same path, and we're going to do what we've always done, and we're going to get what we've always got. Right. Until the world turns upside down and it wrecks that, and then you're just going to mourn what you used to have that you can never have back, right? That's right. <laughs> and that that's scary. Right. Like, you know, and that's, you know, and that's language we hear in our world all the time today. Well, what's this world coming to? Uh, this world is coming to the next stage of this world, mm-hmm. <laughs> the next right. progression of this right. world, whatever you want to call it. And so that's where, for me, like discipleship and spending time, and once again, we define discipleship Sunday, and once again, not a complete definition, as you coming alongside at least one other believer in your pursuit of God and setting aside intentional time to do that. And I want to unpack that a little bit more, and we're going to hold on to this word disruption, because we want to give a practical of what does it look like when you sit there and you go, you know what? Okay, God, I need to come alongside another believers. I need to have dedicated discipleship time. And I think one of the first things we put out there is it has to be named and intentional. Mm-hmm. Like it, there is a practical to where when you're coming together as a group, you're going to have to have, and I've always jokingly called this the DTR, you're going to have to define the relationship. Mm. Hey guys, we're going to do it for this long. We're going to meet at this time. We're going to meet at this place and we're going to do it every week. Mm. And as you're doing that, here's where it, where it kind of comes out. And what we're going to call this is like when you're finding your group. Mm-hmm. When you're said, okay, we're going to pick this, this, we're going to allow this disruption. We're going to choose this disruption as a positive disruption mm-hmm. that is discipleship. And so normally there's this weird tension that comes up where you either find a group one of two ways. You go to the church or an organization and you say, hey, I want to be a part of a discipleship group. Mm-hmm. They put you in a room most of the time with a group of people you don't know. Yeah. And you have to begin to build relationships. The other side of that, the way it unfolds is like this. You and a group of people you already know with a couple of people they know yep. agree that you want to have a Bible study, that you want to get together. You want to have that dedicated time and then you guys come together. There's, there's positive advantages in both of these. If you're going the more organic route... Understand this. You still have to be organized. (laughs) Right. You still have to name times and places and all those things. And you still have to, it's always healthy to say, hey, we're going to do it for this long and Mm reevaluate. Like that's one thing I always tell group leaders or groups who are coming together to do that. Set a Mm timetable. Because once again, even if your group is the best group you've ever been a part of, there's going to be disruption to that group. We'll get to that in just a minute. Mm -hmm. But that's the two ways that you come into this. If you're coming into this and you're kind of like you're by yourself and you need the you need the help of an organization like you know the church, the local body, to help you find people, you're going to walk into a room. It's going to be uncomfortable, no matter how much of a social butterfly you are. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's going to be a little bit of discomfort. It's disruption, and you're going to have to get to know people. Mm-hmm. But out of that, I mean, let me let me just tell you, my pattern has been, and this is this is I feel like. I'm trying to count the number of groups I have been in, discipleship times I've been in for seasons times. I feel like it's over 20 at this point. Mm. And the majority of those, almost every single time, I will have a friend that I have for a season that helps me get through the season. And it might not be that we're lifelong friends, but every single time there's a relationship I have in that group that I didn't have before 
that even when I pass that person in the halls, even when we bump into each other in life, we have a connection because we go back to this point where we journeyed with God together. That's right. And I think what comes out of that, because I've also been in seasons, and I'm going to say this, all right, this might be scary to some. There have probably been about three of those group, 20-some groups that I've been in where they have been like standout catalyst moments in my life with mm-hmm. those group of guys at that time period. And those groups are where you get the lifelong friends. But I wouldn't have gotten there had I not continued to stay in the cycle of I need to find a group. Mm-hmm. I need to find a group for this semester. I need to find a group for this year. And so understand that this disruption that comes in and finding a group is you find that kind of organic and that church aspect, like it is an, a disruption that happens every week, but so necessary. Yeah, you mentioned that you knew that in whether it was seasonal or whatever the the length may be, if this season ended, you needed to find another one, and you needed to find another one. You needed to stay engaged and connected in that discipleship. And I think that's because I guess my abrasive word it will be it has to be non negotiable. We have to get to this place that discipleship with other believers where. I'm being poured into and I'm pouring into others, which is which is critical that you have both of those elements, um, has to be non-negotiable. Now, I understand life happens, emergencies happen, things, things happen, things get in the way, but we have to, on a week-to-week basis, just like our time with the Lord, right? We've talked about that in previous yeah. weeks. It has to be non-negotiable. We have to, when we schedule our day, if I don't say I'm getting up at this time to do, to spend time with the Lord, it's probably not going to happen just willy-nilly like that. I have to be intentional about it. It has to be non-negotiable. Same thing, I think, with discipleship with other believers. We have to say, this is the day. This is the time. I'm leaving work early. I'm leaving work. I'm going to do whatever I need to do so I can leave work at three today because we got a group at five, you know, and whatever that may be for you, you have to make those changes, those disruptions, and make it non-negotiable so that growth can happen. Absolutely. And as we say that word disruption, I want to even push past like the first time you you kind of jump into a group to give you a heads up because this is there's there's common things that happen within the cycles of discipleship and coming together with people. Normally, somewhere between your third and sixth week of meeting, if you're meeting every week, <laughs> you encounter your first group hurdle. Because you come in the first week, everybody's kind of getting to know everybody. You meet the second or third time, and normally that's where you start to feel momentum. But then something happens within weeks four, five, six, and maybe even seven, where almost everybody in the group, friction hits, mm. disruption hits. The reality of me having to do this every week in the middle of a crazy week yeah. starts to hit. And so most times I will tell, you know, if somebody's going to be the group leader or the person that's, that's, that's talking to me because it's one of the church groups, I'll tell them, like, that's a point you need to know as a leader and not be discouraged of if somebody bails right then. Yeah. Because that's where disruption and the abrasiveness of it and the world schedule being redone will pull people away. And so you need to be ready for that. Mm-hmm. Like you need to understand that is the opportunity to lean into the disruption. Mm-hmm. To figure out how you can do that. I'm not saying you you can't miss a group meeting every now right. and then cuz life happens and you need to do that. But it's when you have a couple of weeks of those and you decide, nah, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Because that's something that, that if we're being really honest, here's the thing. Like, you got to commit. Yep. You have to commit. 
And it's really easy when I've been in groups as I'm the group leader or I'm a group member and somebody else leading. It's really easy over those first few weeks to see what members in the groups have bought in and who's getting ready to drop out. Yeah. And it's really hard. It's hard to watch because normally, and this is the cycle we have in, when you drop out of a group mm-hmm. and you just, you're done early, you can't do it, you normally go through a year or two where you just kind of rule that out of your mind. You mm-hmm. go, that was unsuccessful. And I want to mm-hmm. give you this encouragement. If whatever for whatever reason you get in and it's a necessary dropout, mm-hmm. which it's not just a disruption, like something tr- crazy happens, don't view that as I don't need to try again. Right. You absolutely always have to try again. And no whether no matter whether the group ended well or whether you had a blow up. Yeah. And as far as people people coming and going in your groups, that's that's great. And I think whether we're a group leader or a group member, we need to be prepared for people to leave our group. And I think we need to look at that as a as a positive and as something that can be healthy too. Because if you have a group of committed people I've been in groups where it's very frustrating when you have people that are in and out and in and out. And I'm not saying don't allow them. They need that discipleship. But if someone decides, hey, I got to go, I think sometimes our groups can be healthier with the people that remain. Um, But just know this, especially if you're a group leader, because that person or that that couple or whoever it may have been has left your group, that doesn't mean discipleship stops. I still think... Mm. They may not they may not be ready for group discipleship, but you as a leader, you as a group member, can still reach out to that brother or sister and say, "Hey, we hate that you had to leave the group, but can I can we get coffee every every few weeks and still keep that connection, still keep that relationship yeah. going?" Just as believers, we have that obligation to one another. So don't take offense, don't get upset if someone leaves your group. Have mercy, have understanding, yeah. be gracious. Um, Maybe there needs to be accountability. Maybe you need to talk to your brother or sister say, hey, what needs to change in your life so you can become a part of this group? But if you have that conversation and it turns out they just need to leave, let them go. But just know, don't abandon them on the discipleship front. You can still disciple whether or not they're part of the group or it becomes more of a one-on-one discipleship. Yes, absolutely. And and there's points when... As a leader, and maybe I can define leader a little bit. As a leader, you're simply taking responsibility mm-hmm. for keeping the group spiritually focused. Mm-hmm. Like you're the one that's going to ring the bell of like, hey guys, remember we got to do this. Or hey, we committed to this last week, let's remind ourselves of it. You're the one that's going to kind of keep that structure going and be the push. And one of the one of the best seasons of my life in a group no joke, is when we had a guy who was kind of the leader of the group, and I say that loosely because this was one of those organic groups that just yeah. kind of popped up. Yep. It wasn't necessarily through the church. And we met in this this guy's shed, and we knew as a group, because it was at his house, whether we showed up or not, he was going to be in that shed every Tuesday yeah. morning engaging God. Yeah. And there were times I pulled up. There were, there were two times I pulled up. Nobody else was able to make it that morning. And I walked up, and I got there late, and I walk up 15 minutes late, and he's on his knees with mm. a Bible in front of yeah. him praying. It's non-negotiable for him. Non-negotiable for yeah. him because it was his. It was a survival thing for him. And when you are that as a group leader, mm-hmm. God will send you people. And I want to say, too, um, as a group leader, because I've been in groups where I've led the group, and I've also been a member of the group where someone else is leading, Um you need to be able to share that leadership. So, for example, the the group that I'm in now, the men's group, each each week we've had this. Well, 
the schedule's kind of been wacky, but we try to have other people facilitate. So it's not just me every week Absolutely. having to come in. So it puts accountability, hey, you need to be prepared and ready. Because um, I think we all need to come to the table. We all need to come to that place prepared and ready. Absolutely. Um, but it, it just kind of helps share some of that responsibility. And also as a leader, um, you need to be cautious that your group is not something that you're just always pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, pouring out, and never being poured into from the people in your group. I, for me, an organic, successful, organic discipleship group um, is people that I can say, hey, Matt, can we get together? We're like-minded. We, we kind of maybe in similar stages of life. Can we get together? But I just want to let you know, if we do, I'm going to need you to pour into me and hold me accountable. Don't right. just think because I'm I'm a ch- leader in the church or whatever that it's just going to be you're coming and consuming what I'm being able to give you. No, I need to be. I need this to be iron sharpening iron. I think you mentioned that yep. in your sermon, Absolutely. maybe even earlier on the podcast. That phrase. Um, we need to be able to sharpen one another. Um, and if because if you're if you're not having that in your group as a as a group quote unquote leader or facilitator or whatever. You're going to get burned out trying to plan something every single week. You don't want to become an event planner. You want to become a facilitator of good discussions, like you said, spiritual focus. But it needs to be something that you're pouring out but also being poured into. And that's one of the things that, that I always put as a marker. Okay, if, if I need to know when this group is over as a leader, mm. it's when I'm the only one showing up spiritually prepared. Mm. Because you know what just happens if the leader is the only person showing up spiritually, spiritually prepared? It's no longer a group of people discussing and talking about their walk. It's a class. Mm. Because you have everybody sitting and listening to one person who is prepared right. to teach. Right. And that's when discipleship falls apart. Mm-hmm. And so I will always start with the DTR conversation. Let's talk about this. Is that there is the expectation that every group member is showing up spiritually prepared. And what I mean by that is that means if we say we're going to read something, we read it. That also means that you as an individual are spending daily quiet time with God. Because right. if, if your group is doing that, I can promise you that your time together is going to be rich and it's not going to be a negative disruption. It's going to be something that you knock stuff off the schedule right. to get to. Right. Because it's going to be so life-giving. Right. And that's an absolute catalyst. Now, the last thing I wanted to talk about and wanted to jump to this, because I know, and, and, and Justin, I'm going to go ahead and say this. Go for it. We're realizing right now, because we're chasing so many rabbits because this subject's so deep, we're going to have to have more more conversation about mm-hmm. this. And right. so I think what we're talking about and what we've got on the board, we don't know what we're going to call it yet, but we're going to keep this podcast going and really focus on the idea of discipleship. Mm-hmm. And we're going to cover a lot of different bases. We went off on, on a group leader tangent that was very positive, <laughs> and I've noticed we said, and didn't even plan to, we've said group leader a lot, mm-hmm. and we don't want that to be intimidating um, because... A lot of people hear group leader and they think, oh, I have to be spiritually elite. Mm. And that's not it. That is not it at all. Mm. And so we're, we'll probably get one of those going, but we're going to we're gonna have to do more podcasts on yeah. this. Okay. So, good. so we've committed. Yes. Over the airways. Podcast, Stay tuned. Whatever. Okay. But the last thing I wanted to touch on is we talk about disruption. How do you know when to leave or end a group? Mm. Because here's the reality. Healthy discipleship comes in cycles. Okay, a lot of times we confuse discipleship with a small circle of lifetime friends. Mm-hmm. And so we put this weird pressure that we're going to meet together as a group or we're going to meet as a Sunday school class forever. Mm-hmm. And it creates all this awkwardness of when people leave, when people go. In reality, the life cycle of a healthy discipleship group 
is two years. Because here's what happens at the end of those two years. If you're continuing to grow and flow and people are growing in God, people are being sent out. Mm-hmm. And so you're that group, even if it remains the same, and I had one group that went through this cycle, and the only reason I, I can identify that it's the same group is because there were two guys that 10 years later were still in it, but legitimately about 35 different guys had had seasons where that was their discipleship mm-hmm. and had gone on to do other things. That's awesome. And that's really what the goal of discipleship is. Is like you don't always want that element to be the end of the road yeah. because you're going to be sent. You're going to go. And so there's an aspect where you've got to understand what's going to happen is when you come together and you have that group time, when it becomes that rich, everybody's diving in spiritually and then God begins to send people out. The reality is, is your relationships with those people are actually enriched as you're mm-hmm. engaging in ministry and you're actively connecting mm-hmm. in life mm-hmm. beyond just that group time. And what happens is you spread out and you have the discipleship model. Right. You tell five people who tell five people mm-hmm. who tell five people, mm-hmm. and that's how the gospel grows and how God uses that. The other thing I'll say about this is this. For, for a lot of us, and I mentioned this briefly Sunday, but I want to point this out. If you're in a quote-unquote discipleship situation that's dead, meaning it's progressed to that point where one person's carrying all the burden for the spiritual growth in the room, where you need to change it up, where you need to move, it's not, this is boring, I need to stop coming. Right. It's, I've got to find that, I've got to disrupt this and mm-hmm. stepped into to a discipleship place, mm-hmm. maybe one-on-one, maybe with some friends you already have, maybe on the evangelistic side with somebody that you're needing to introduce Scripture to, but they're mm-hmm. willing to read read through the book of John with you. Right. Maybe that's where you need to step in in that cycle. So that disruption continues to be a factor. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just it. Believers who are grow- growing are regularly disrupted. That's right. Right. I'm going to use that as a, that's, a, that's good. I'm writing that's that down. Beautiful. That's coming as a, Justin needs to clean that up and say one of those magic <laughs> phrases, but we're going to have to do that other podcast. Like we have to, because I'm looking at the clicker right now. It's at 26 minutes. I've got a page full of notes. There's seven things we didn't get to written up on the whiteboard. Um, I think me and Justin are both excited about it because we're Absolutely. both very, very passionate about discipleship. And we just thank you for listening these last eight weeks. Uh, we will be back next week. With something. With something. To do with the discipleship. And so we'll pray and as God leads us. But we thank you for joining us on our week eight Engage with Discipleship.